Hello and welcome to a special edition of Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham, where Team Needham discusses everything healthcare. I'm your host, Sean Needham, along with my wonderful wife, Janet, and we are streaming live. Oh, we're not streaming live. We are recording, actually, in uh, Fort Worth, Texas at the Free Market Medical Association um, annual conference, and we're so super excited to be here. Met a lot of great people, including our next guest, or our current guest, which is Dr. Edward Williams from Foundations DPC in Alabama. Where Alabama? Correct. Uh, Spanish Fort, Alabama. Spanish Fort, Alabama. I never heard of that city, so uh, it's hard to remember it for me. I don't have a very good memory, I guess. So, Dr. Williams, welcome to our show. Yeah, thank yeah. you for having me. Yeah. I appreciate it. Thanks for, thanks for being on. So, tell us, you're a direct primary care doctor. You're pretty new to it in the sense of things. Um, tell us a little bit about your story. Yeah, so... Um, started my practice in January of 2021. Uh, that was uh, pretty much the product of a, let's just say less than ideal relationship with my previous employer, employee, employer. Mm -hmm. um, I used to work for a health system yeah. down in Baldwin County, which is where Spanish Fort is. Um, and during the pandemic, they wanted me to do some things that I didn't agree with for my patients. Uh, and through that, uh, just fun time in 2020, as we all remember, um, throughout that process, I just realized I did not want to give my career to the fee-for-service system. Uh, and since I was uh, an employee, I was forced to sit in my office from eight to five every day, because that's what I was being paid for. Uh, and unbeknownst to them, that's the time I was used, I used to study the way out of the system and <laughs> pretty much had them uh, pay my time to research a business plan and find out about direct primary care, write up my own uh, kind of strategy. And then in September of 2020, turned in my letter of resignation, then opened my practice in January of 2021. Since then, it's been growing steadily. It's the first one in the area. So education and exposure has been my biggest kind of hurdle. Uh, but it is it's growing steadily and all my patients love it. I love it. It's just remarkable as to what it can do to uh, you know the doctors and the patient yeah. it's just incredible so tell me dr. Williams in your practice how many employees do you have uh, just one and he is pretty rough to work with <laughs> so let's clear that up for those listeners and yeah. viewers just but me I'm, it's just me I'm now, the... <laughs> really I mean so that's a rhetorical question because I knew the answer. Yeah. But um, tell us, it's like, really? You're the only employee. How does that work? So who answers the phones? So I answer the phones. I mop the floors. I take out the trash. I onboard, offboard patients. I do the doctor stuff, which is what I was trained for. The mopping of the floors is pretty tough. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it's just me. You can really automate and streamline a bunch of different aspects of primary care, um, direct primary care, excuse me. And at this, um, at this conference, you're 
seeing a lot of the products that I use uh, and it is it makes my life so much easier and primary care is not complicated especially if you know who to bring on to help you and who to kind of engage with to set up your systems where it's just smooth and easy yeah now I know one of the questions that a lot of doctors worry about when they try to get out of the system is they worry about non-compete clauses. Can oh, you yeah. tell us a little bit about that? Oh yeah, I'm uh, actually participating in one right now. So I'm located in Spanish Fort because my non-compete stated that I had to be 20 miles away from the hospital system that I was employed with. So if you want to play with Google, you can pretty much figure out which hospital system I used to work for. They will <laughs> go unnamed, but on Google Maps, you can superimpose a radius, and I, I plugged in 20 miles, put it on the hospital, and I am pretty much like a half a mile away from that radius that breaks through the... Uh, the, the the road system there and uh, that is why I am 20 miles away from my home uh, but it's I think that it expires December uh, expires on December 1st of this year mm -hmm. so I'm uh, prowling the fences to get back into that uh, that area but it turned out to be a good move because when I was resigning they're like oh we probably won't hold you up into that non-compete clause and then less than a month after I stopped working for him I got a big old lawyer letter cease and desist right. um, so I decided to not worry about it and just do my own thing on the outside of the fence and I'm not gonna go to court over that right. I don't right. think it's legal but I think they're big enough to tie me up and you have to fight it, so yeah. Yeah, that's not a hill I want to go out on. So, so how do you know? I think some people might look, um, and our business is kind of the same way. We we don't have a lot of employees, but yet we have, you know, we can service a lot of clients. So, tell tell our listeners and viewers what is the benefit of not having any employees? How do the, how do the how do the patients benefit from from you being the only one? So, a lot of. A lot of stress in fee-for-service comes along the lines of, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, from the patients having to deal with front office staff just to get to the doctor who's hiding in a room somewhere in the back. Um, well, let's just clear this up now. In mm -hmm. the traditional system, mm -hmm. you can't get to the doctor. Yeah. yeah. Um, period, right? By difficult, I mean I, impossible. Exactly so, right. <laughs> so not having that just heartache and stress in your life makes it a thousand times easier. And most of the times they're good people. They are doing their job the best that they can. But the patient wants the relationship with the doctor with all due respect. They don't want the relationship with the gatekeeper or the lady sitting at the front desk that's screaming at you to get your insurance card and you can't find it and that's just not the way it should go or your patient needing medications refilled and that's all you need just let the doctor know and you know they get distracted don't let the doctor know and now all of a sudden you're up a creek but um not having employees i'm not saying i'm not gonna i'm gonna be solo forever but uh it allows my patients to know that on the other end of whatever method of communication they're using, they get me and all my improper grammar and 
bad attitudes. So they know they're dealing with me and they love that. Yeah. So it's just, it's working out the best for everybody, I think. Janet, what questions do you have, Dr. Williams? Well, I think people are starving for that relationship mm -hmm. because previous to the big um, health networks, people actually did have relationships with their doctors. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, the fact that the doctor can actually be in the forefront and actually make those relationships with mm -hmm. their patients. Don't you find that you actually can give them better service and a higher quality of service because you can actually find out what they are struggling with versus that five minute check the box? Yeah, so I've got the biggest cheat sheet ever, which is time with my patient. So I don't have to kick anybody out after five minutes. My visits are an hour, an hour long if they need it. Usually they leave. You know, they're like, I've got, they're trying to hear yeah, you talk. I've got something to do. And I'm like, all right, well, see you later. Um, so a lot of times they leave before you know their time is up. But absolutely. So if a doctor from 1930 came in and was like, hey, how's it going? I want to know what y'all are up to now. And I told him what I was doing. He'd go, okay, so nothing's changed. I go, well, actually, I've got a cell phone now. Uh, right. So we're getting back to the right. old school. Uh, way of doing things house calls just communication knowing somebody so well that all they have to do is talk to me and I go what's going on I know something's wrong so that level of relationships with my patients are what they are starving for and they haven't had for 20-30 years um, it's just amazing but yeah getting back to the I'm, I'm a 1930s doctor with internet access that's yeah, like yeah that's it. <laughs> so, so let's discuss some of the technology. So, because yeah. you leverage some of that to help with patient care, whether it be texting or video conference, possibly. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, tell tell us a little bit about. So, that. when you sign up, um, when you sign up on my website, there it walks you through the process. I get a little text that says, "Hey, I got a new patient." I'll send you a link that allows you to download this app called Spruce. If I'm allowed to, yeah, yeah, yeah please give please. them free yes, advertising. Um, so they download that, that gives them uh, HIPAA compliant, secure access to me because I'm on the other side of it. They can call me, they can text me. If, I, if they go, hey, this bump looks weird, I go, okay, send me a picture. They can take a screenshot of it. We can do virtual like FaceTime type of visits if they don't have time to go into the clinic or something or something quick mm -hmm. or they have uh, a real quick question like that. Spruce integrates with my billing system, which is Hint, which I just met Zach, which mm -hmm. is pretty cool. Um, and then Hint and Spruce integrate with my EHR, so that all I have to do is say, okay, we just had a pretty much conversation about a sinus infection, I can just send that to my EHR and that's my documentation. Um, so it makes my life a billion times easier and I don't have to worry about all the little things that I used to have to worry about in fee-for-service when I was you know, documenting all the silly things like that weren't necessary for the visit. Right. So now, what are your office hours? Uh, 24 hours, seven days a week. Okay, okay. But I'm in the clinic, <laughs> and that comes with some caveat. So with DPC docs, we're always available to somebody, and that comes with, yeah, if you're available to somebody, you gotta be available to somebody. I'm still seeing patients now. I'm in Texas and my practice is in Alabama. Um, not a problem. 
So when you're available for 24 hours a day, you have to kind of set some expectations and some boundaries with your patients, which is totally reasonable and my patients are okay with that. I'm a human too, I have to sleep. Um, so I just let them know at the, for usually the first visit, hey, I'm available on the weekends and after hours, but just let's make sure it's not for something silly that could have been taken care of during regular hours. But if it's an urgency or emergency, please hit that button on the spruce app and it'll bust through my defense mechanisms and let me know you have an issue. Uh, so available, yes, office hours um, are the regular ones. Yeah, nine to yeah. five, yeah. eight to five. At when those hours, I'm fully dedicated to my patients, all their needs. After those hours, if it's an urgent situation, they can get in touch with me. So in a traditional system, mm -hmm. most family practice doctors dislike call. And so when they think about direct primary care and they hear, what, you're on call 24 seven? I can't believe it. Yeah. So compare your call now when it's 24 seven to how the call was when you were um, on call in a traditional system. So in residency, it's a little bit different. You're the one being trained. So you're on call Q three days and those are like 24 hour calls. You're staying up all night delivering babies or something like that. When you get out of that and you go into fee-for-service world, um, I actually signed a contract and they told me I wasn't going to, the, the honeymoon phase, they told me, no, nope, you, you don't have to be on call, it's fine. After the honeymoon phase was over, they're like, actually, in this clause in you know section 5A, if you read it, it says we can change this at will and now you're on call every other weekend. And uh, I didn't enjoy that, um, but the call in fever service when you're a part of a big group they go okay dr williams you're on call for all these ten thousand patients and odds are you're going to get some calls from people having some issues and direct primary care yes you technically have your responsibility to your patients but like i said you just have to have that conversation when they come in and set those expectations you are there for them if they need you. If they get in a machete accident, yeah, please call right. me on the weekend. I'm going to stitch you up. But you know them so well and they know you so well. They're going to respect your time with your family um, and they're not going to call you for silly things. I did have to uh, correct one patient when she sent me a picture of a birdhouse at 3 in the morning on a Saturday. She didn't do that again. But... <laughs> Set expectations and you're gonna be fine, is what I would tell people. So, do you find that they, in, in the DPC model, where it's a membership model, we'll get into your fees a little bit later, mm -hmm. do you find that they're more respectful of your time than they were in the fee-for-service when it came to silly call questions, possibly? Uh, you know what, in fee-for-service, I didn't get many silly calls or calls at all. They just wouldn't send it down the line to me because there's so many people in front yeah. of me. By the time I would get a message, it was either me freaking out because three days ago somebody messaged me, oh, I have some chest pain, what do I do? And I'm like, oh my gosh, what is this person yeah. still alive? Right. Uh, versus, you know, the calls nowadays, not a big deal at all. Um, not sure that answered your question, but well, it does. And, and you know what? One thing, just with the example you gave, um, you basically just gave the system away when you said that somebody had chest pain. It was three days ago, and they didn't get to talk to the doctor. Right. And I'm assuming 
that wouldn't happen. That wouldn't happen in your in your in your situation now. So if they have chest pain now, they're gonna if it's a, a regular business hours, I'm gonna look at that and go, okay, I need to call you now. Um, or if it's after hours, they can hit that urgent button. It sends me a message. I answer a call and back. Hey, what's going on? I either you're either going to come and see me. I'm going to either come and see you, or if I deem it a big problem, I'm going to advise you to go to the emergency department, and then I'll follow up. You know, I'll walk them through the process while they're in the in the ED. Um, they're going to be scared. They're going to have a bunch of things, you know, stuck to their chest, and they don't know what's going on. And uh, I can get on the phone with them and go you know, hold that video up to the EKG and I can read it as it's happening type of situation. And you've but done that. I've done that. That is um, awesome. <laughs> they did fine. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you have the ability to walk them through scary situations and God forbid they do get hospitalized and whether or not the COVID restrictions have discontinued, I can walk in there and go, what are they telling you? And do all that jazz too. So it's kind of, that's you cool. literally have a doctor in your back pocket. Well, I think one thing that I learned with a lot of direct primary care doctors is, is you're really, you're kind of the patient's advocate and the patient's mm -hmm. gatekeeper in a lot of ways. So, yeah. you know, you're the one that sends them to the ER or to ortho or to, to a specialist. You're the one that finds those, or whether it be an imaging place or, you know, labs or whatever. I mean, you guys, that's what you guys are doing now is that you guys are the advocate for the patients. You're worried of... You know, you're concerned about price, quality, and service, and you just don't get that the traditional system. Yeah, when you have five minutes to see a patient, you kind of hit buttons and good luck. Uh, but when they're your patient in direct primary care, you have the time to navigate for them. So you've got a lot of patients that still have, uh, you know, the regular health insurance situation, but they're so fed up with not knowing what's going on, they're paying me to pretty much navigate right. and drive their ship. Um, and I have the ability to go, hey man, I think you need to go see this hand surgeon. And they go, who do you recommend? And I've got relationships with doctors. So I go, you need to go see this guy. This is who I would let cut on me. Um, and you just have, and they trust you at that point. It's, it's a whole new world of care, I think. Um, and it's just great. So everything's improved. Patients are healthier. You're going to you're going to be healthier if you can call your doctor when you're sick. If there are more DPCs out there, there would not be a reason for urgent cares because if yeah. they could call their doctor, nothing's urgent. You can get treated right. when you're sick instead of I'm sick. Okay, I'll see you in six weeks. Like you're either gone or you're cured. <laughs> Right. At that point, well, and you, the, go ahead. Well, the current system almost sounds like you're not smart enough to navigate. You can't navigate, and you you don't have the ability to help yourself. So it takes responsibility away from them in some unforeseen way. Mm -hmm. But really, we are ultimately responsible for our bodies mm -hmm. and the choices we make. But you get to help them in navigation is what I'm hearing, which mm -hmm. is amazing because that's not what they, you know, that's not who they are. They're, they're looking for somebody in the profession to say, hey, you need to do this and this and who to go to and, or even what they need to do at home, mm -hmm. one concept, right? Mm -hmm. Because sometimes people are just given, and we see this as pharmacists, here, take this medication, mm -hmm. but then what? Yep, yeah, and on the medication front, I've got a lot of 
patients that I go, what are you taking this medicine for? And they go, I don't know. I go, well, what happens if you stop it? And they go, I don't know. You want to try it? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and let me know how you feel. And if they stop it and they feel better, well, lo and behold, maybe don't take it anymore. But they, they, they y'all probably heard this a lot. Of the, my doctor told me to take it, so I just took it. That's a dangerous Absolutely. sentence. Yeah. Um, I mean, y'all know, you, you see a list of why are you on three different beta blockers? Yeah. Uh, my doctor told me to take it. Well, no, maybe we need to look at this. So, like I said, I've been harping on every aspect of patient care is better with this kind of system. Uh, the relationships with my pharmacist, I've got time to go, hey, what do you think about this? Do you think this would be okay for this guy? And they, the whole team is a team now. It is, it's a very little um, conflict with this kind of modality. I like it a lot. For one, there's no third party involved. I mean, it's, it's you, the doctor, the pharmacist, and there's no third party involved. So tell us, what's the most life-changing, if you've had one, uh, what's the most life-changing story, patient story that you have that probably wouldn't happen in traditional practice but happened in your DPC practice? Hmm. Uh, you know, preventative medicine, we don't really get to know what we prevented, uh, but there is a story that comes to mind and it's kind of still pending, but there's this one gentleman who had been kicked around uh, a bunch of specialists, uh, some functional medicine doctors, uh, because they found out that he had like super high testosterone. Um, so it comes to me because he's been incurring super high lab bills and uh, you know the functional medicine doctor had never seen this before, so they're sending him for imaging, telling him he has cancer, he's going to some endocrinology specialist. And they come in with a big old stack of papers and I start going through them like, hey, with all due respect, this is gonna take me a couple of minutes to get through with all this homework you just gave me. Um, I'll call you in the morning. Um, so I go through it and I think what's going on is that he's got too many of these proteins that's keeping the real testosterone from getting into his body. Um, and in between me getting through the homework, he goes to the endocrinologist and I call him and. I go, you know, how the what the specialist say? Because I always want to know if I got it correct. Uh, and the specialist said the exact same thing. So what we're going to do is give him a supplement that dissociates the bound testosterone to the proteins, releases them, gets them into his cells so he can use them. He's going to feel better. And uh, when I see him in a couple of weeks, I think the conversation is going to be a lot more relaxing that now that he knows he doesn't have cancer or a big problem and all he has to take is a supplement. So without that amount of time to really hone in on this case, he's probably being ping-ponged around right. a bunch of specialists and probably put on a bunch of medications that he doesn't need and that's a nightmare. Yeah. So I think he is uh, probably my at least my most recent good yeah. case that I've had yeah. to use my brain on. Janet, what questions do you have for Dr. Williams? Dr. Williams, what has this meant to you staying in your profession, becoming a DPC doctor? So, in fee-for-service, 
I knew that I a, could do a better job and the, the administration and the situation was not allowing me to be the best I could be. I would go home and it was poisoning me from the inside out. So there was a decision to be made. It was a couple of different choices. Quit medicine. I don't think that would be an option in my 30s. I just don't feel like I've given it my all just yet. Continue down the path of poison, which I knew was going to be detrimental to my home life, uh, being a husband, being a dad. It was going to that was it was going to be toxic. I could feel myself getting angry and not having that release. Or I could go down this path of direct primary care. I had no idea what was around the corner of that path, but I figured it's got to be better than the current situation that I'm going down. And so I took that chance, rolled the dice, and yeah, it turned out to be pretty okay. Uh, and so far, so good. And lo and behold, patients are healthier, happier. The doctor is healthier and happier. Uh, and the business is growing rapidly to the point where um, I'm going to start having to look to expand pretty soon. Um, and that's part of the reason we're here is to get more ideas and get more kind of allies in this situation where these DPC practices are popping up all over the place and we're here to support that. So. Yeah. So you had some help kind of set up your practice. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so uh, doctors are pretty good at medicine. We aren't very good at many other things in the business world. So, and I kind of looked back and, you, you know, you think you know everything coming out of residency. You're pretty, I'm not going to use some, some certain language here, <laughs> but uh, arrogant might be a good um, adjective, but... I mean, I got out of residency, signed a contract. That contract turned out to be a nightmare. So I kind of didn't trust myself to do it on my own, yeah. you know? So while I was in uh, lockdown for COVID in my office, I was researching, you know, the way to get out of this stuff and uh, went to a conference virtual, of course, uh, of, I want to say it was just the DPC conference. Mm -hmm. Uh, and one of the booths was a company called Freedom Healthworks, um, and they kind of hold doctors' hands and set you up through these uh, processes, get your small business set up, you know, hey, you need to go call the tax guy in this county, make sure you're all legit there, and, you know, set up your website, set up your logo, get your marketing ready, and that, that's just aspects that I'm just... What do you mean I have to pay a tax for a small business? <laughs> and just stupid stuff that now I'm like, thank God I hired yeah. them because right. I was going to trip trip over that and probably be in a lot of trouble. So they give you a plan. They set you up and walk you through the process of opening the doors. Um, and I, I really don't think I would have been in the same situation had they not yeah. uh, helped me out. So absolutely invaluable to get me up and running um, and I thank them and uh, they're here and uh, they I, I just wouldn't be here without them so keep it at that all right so we have about a minute to wrap this up so uh, two questions um, what do you have a passion for uh, a uh, being the best physician I can and I think that's 
going to be, this is the way I'm going to do that. I already feel like I'm better than two years ago. And uh, my other passions revolve around just the outdoors in South Alabama, um, as y'all can probably imagine. Yeah. Um, I just love getting out in the woods. I've got three children and uh, they are going to be very exposed to the outside. And DPC, allowing you to have the freedom and time back is uh, probably one of the best decisions I've ever made to be able to do that with my kids. So, so if people want to find out more about your practice, how is the best way to find you? Yeah, so uh, my website's foundationdpc.com uh, and my email is drwilliams at foundationdpc.com. Be happy to answer any emails or inquiries or, hey man, how do I join you in this effort? Uh, be happy to do that. I love it. I love it. Well, you've definitely realized our goal today of educating and empowering others to take charge of their own health. health, health. So I really appreciate it, Dr. Williams. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate yeah. it. Thank you.